Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. Um, Mark chapter 9. And so we're pausing our Church on Fire series, um, and I gave you no points. So you could just uh, put nothing up there, I guess. That would be great. Oh, maybe that cool red background. I like the red one. Just to give some, like, color. Oh, I don't know where it is, actually. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, so uh, we're pausing our Church on Fire series, and we're going to kind of conclude uh, our Go Salt theme teachings, but it is sort of available for all of us. So Mark chapter 9 is where we will be. And I've titled this message, if you want to jot this down, But Jesus Only. But Jesus, they said, but Jesus only is sort of the theme of tonight. And uh, Joey just gave me an alley-oop. Um, uh, he just sort of set me up with what I'm going to teach about. And so now hopefully I can um, not, don't get off the back of the rim, if you know what I mean. Um, so Mark chapter 9, verse 2 actually is where we're going to start. It says this, and after six days... Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. I like that language. Like uh, some of the other gospels just say like as, as bright as light. And it's like so intensely white. Um, and Mark, or some people suggest Peter uh, sort of saying it and Mark writing it down, says it was so white like, like they, I just can't even imagine detergent making it that clean. Like he's like, it's so white. It's, cr- oh my gosh. He's just hyped on it. Like he loves clean laundry apparently. Um, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses And they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, for he didn't know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved son, listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what the rising from the dead might mean. All right, let me explain what's happening. So um, from the story previous, which Michaela and Matthew taught, Michaela taught two mornings ago, Matthew taught this morning, um, Jesus asked a question um, to his disciples, who do people say that I am? They're like, some say Elijah, some say John. He's fine. It does not bother me or anybody at all, okay? Um, it's Sid. He can do whatever he wants. Um, so uh, he, he asked this question, and who do people say that I am? And they're like, some Elijah, some John the Baptist, some say a prophet. And then G- Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And, and Jesus is like, that's, that's it. You nailed it. And then he moves on, and uh, he says, all right, guys, just so you know, I'm, I'm going to die. I'm going to be murdered. And Peter's like, no, you're not. And uh, Jesus turns to him, and he says, are you kidding me, Satan? He literally calls him Satan. You, you are not mindful of the things of God. 
And then he says, if anybody wants to follow after me, you've got to take up your cross and follow him. Denial, self-denial, and surrender to God to walk in the plans that he has for you. We have to give up something of ourself, and we have to take hold of the life that he has. And then six days after that, Actually, he concludes and says, some of you standing here are not going to die until you see the Son of Man, speaking of himself, Jesus, um, in the fullness of glory. And then it says, six days later, after he said that, he takes these three guys, Peter, James, and John, up onto this mountain, and we're told that he was transfigured before them. Now, transfigured is a Bible word, and it basically means that the, the God that was Jesus came out. So Jesus was skin and bones. He was God in flesh. And his, his deity was wrapped up in his humanity. So he was, we see him as human because he was human. But he is also God because he's Jesus, all right? This is very confusing, complex stuff because he's 100% God and 100% man. Which is like, that doesn't make any sense. And we're like, okay, that's why we live by faith, right? So, so his, he is human, but he's also God. And in this moment, what happens is his God comes out. Hey, Jesus, your God is showing. Like, it's like all of a sudden, from the, from, from the inside out, he, is, he, he's, he reveals to them the fact, the reality that he is God. And then what happens is they're like speechless. They're blown away. And then these two characters that have been gone for a very long time appear. We're told that Elijah and Moses show up with them on the mountain. Now, Moses goes all the way back to the book of Exodus in the Old Testament, like hundreds and hundreds of years prior to the time of Jesus. And Moses was a picture of Jesus because he was uh, the children of Israel's deliverer. And Moses was, we would call it a type of Jesus or a picture of Jesus because what he represents for the children of Israel is what Jesus does for us. He sets us free from bondage of sin and suffering and doubt and depression and worry and anxiety and we can have freedom in Christ. And Moses was a picture of that. But he died. He died a long time ago. And all of a sudden Moses shows up on this mountain with Jesus. So if you're, like an, if you're like Peter and James and John and you know the Bible and you're like, whoa, that's Moses. He must have had the staff and beard. Like, that's Moses. You know what I'm saying? Like, they knew it. That's Moses. And here he is on, on the mountain. Now, let me nerd for just a moment. I love to nerd a little bit. Um, Moses was supposed to take the children of Israel into the promised land, um, but he sort of disobeyed God. And God told him, um, because of your disobedience, you're not going to get to go into the promised land. So he died before ever entering into the promised land. But now, this is so cool because this is God. A thousand years later, Moses shows up on planet Earth again. How? I don't know. Okay, God is doing this crazy miracle. Moses shows back up on planet Earth. Where is he? He's in the promised land. So we see this, this crazy turn of events. Moses gets to be, so that's a little, okay, nerd time over. Back to the Bible study. Moses shows up in the promised land. This, they're like, oh my gosh, Moses is here. Jesus is here, Moses is here. This is crazy. And then we're also told that a guy named Elijah shows up. Now Elijah, um, we follow his story in the book of, of 1 and 2 Kings, and he was a prophet. And his primary mission was to declare to the people of God the message of God. So God would oftentimes speak to prophets, and then prophets would declare that message to people. 
And so he would show up and be like, hey, God told me to tell you this. And then eventually that thing would happen. Now, Elijah is an interesting character in scripture because Elijah never died. All right? I'm losing some of you guys with these stories. This is the Bible. I'm telling you right now. All right? Um, so Elijah lives this amazing life. And then we're told that he, he actually doesn't die, that God just comes and gets him. He just goes straight to heaven. He, he skips the death part and goes straight to the presence of God. And now Elijah shows up again. So imagine for a second. You are James, Peter, and John. You've been following Rabbi Teacher Jesus for a little while. And like things are, this is pretty cool, you know. Like we're seeing miracles happen. We're seeing amazing messages happen. Like stuff is happening. This is cool. And he's like, all right, guys, we're going on a hike. And this is, is one of the highest, they think it's on Mount, oh my gosh, my brain, Mount, this is Go Salt Brain, Herman, I think it's Herman, anybody can confirm or deny, all right, we're going with Herman, <laughs> nobody's here to uh, question me, all right, Mount Herman, um, and uh, one of the highest elevations in the area, so they go up, go up this height, they, they're just following Rabbi Teacher Jesus, they get up there. Jesus shows up. I, I wonder what they were thinking Jesus was going to do. Right? Maybe Jesus was going to just pray for a little while. Jesus oftentimes would go up to mountains and pray by himself. So maybe, all right, we're just going to go have an all-night prayer session. Maybe they thought, like, okay, well, it's just, it's just us three. And it must be a very special teaching for us. Maybe, maybe uh, some of the disciples had asked that uh, they could, if they could sit on Jesus' right and left hand when he sets up his kingdom. Maybe these guys were thinking, like, ha, 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 we're going to get the right and left, boys. Like, this is it. Jesus is taking us up the mountain to tell us that we are actually number two and three in charge. And they get up there, and what happens is this probably nothing like they would have expected. The God part of Jesus shows up, and then all of a sudden these two guys that have been gone off the planet for a very long time show back up, and they are tripping. Right? Literally, they're like, what in the world is happening? And, and Peter says something remarkable because he is experiencing the greatest spiritual high one could have ever experienced. He is in the presence of Jesus revealing himself as God. He's got the characters, Moses and Elijah, standing right there with him. And Peter doesn't want to leave. Peter, notice what he said. He said, uh, Rabbi, <laughs> Peter is classic because he doesn't like awkward silence, and so he fills the awkward silence. You ever, you ever like say things too quickly, and you're like, I probably shouldn't have said that. But Peter, like, he's just he can't handle any space, and so he just blurts stuff out, and so it's like he's like, Ah, Rabbi, <laughs> it is good that we are here. This is grand. This is great. We should, this, we are here. This is great. You're like, where are you going with this, Peter? And then he says, he says, let us make three tents. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. What, what Peter is basically saying is, hey, Jesus, I know we just came up the mountain for a little while, but let's set up camp here. Let's live up here. You, Moses, Elijah, me, James and John, we are just going to chill on the mountain. This is our home now. Let's just stay right here. Because he was, like Joey said, he was experiencing a mountaintop experience. 
where he felt the presence of God. He saw, oh my gosh, this is insane. I don't ever want to leave. He probably had the worship goosebumps, right? He probably had the, the, the tears right welling up behind his eyes. This is, I want to live right here in this moment. Let's set up three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and let's live on the mountain. Now, <laughs> classic, Peter's still talking. God interrupts him. Right? God, he's like, it is good, Rabbi. It is good. And then I love it says, for he did not know what to say. And they were terrified. And then it says, a cloud overshadow, a voice came from heaven. I'm going to get loud. This is my beloved son. Right? Listen to him. In other words, he's saying, Peter, shut up. Right? Don't listen to Peter. Listen to Jesus. All right? He says, Peter, it is time for you to live it. Listen to Jesus. And God shows up and speaks, and basically what he's saying is, is you're not going to live on the mountain. You can't live on the mountain. And then notice that after the voice happens, Moses is gone, Elijah is gone, the voice, the cloud is gone, the, the inside-out part of Jesus is gone. And we're, we, we said, and this is the, the title of the message, it says this, it says, and after that, uh, they look, looked around. They no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. No more hype. No more excitement. No more mountaintop. It was just, just Jesus only. Can I tell you, that is much of our Christian life. It's just Jesus only. It's just you and Jesus. Sometimes we find ourselves surrounded by great people that encourage us to walk with God. Sometimes we have amazing worship sets, and it's our favorite songs, and it's so good. Sometimes we, it's like a tangible presence of God where it's like, it's so thick, I, can, I, can, I feel God. But most of the time, let me tell you, it's just Jesus only. Most of the time, it's you and your Bible. It's you and your thoughts. It's you, and, and as you think about God, and as you talk to God, it's just Jesus only. It's you and him. And so much of relationship with God is for Jesus only. But can I tell you that mountaintop experiences are good? Let, let me put it like this, and this is sort of my first thought, is that God wants to speak to you on the mountains. God wants to speak to you on the mountains. We have what we would call mountaintop experiences or these, these moments where we really feel like we connect with God and we have these encounters with God. And we have those moments so that God would speak to us. That was this story. They get up to the mountain. They get up on the top. This crazy thing happens. And what does God say? This is my beloved son. Listen to him. God's focus is to be with Jesus and to listen to him. God speaks and what he says is you got to listen to me. And the mountaintops happen for us to hear from God. Because it's oftentimes when we eliminate distractions and we get away or we, we have these intentional times or a time of expectation that God will speak to us clearly. And then what happens is that becomes something we can then hold on to when we go back into everyday life. Man, I know some of you are, are leaving for college soon. I know some of you are starting new schools soon. 
I know some of you might be starting a new job or maybe you're moving or you're going into a new experience of life. And sometimes we wish we could just, man, can I just stay right here in this season? Like, like Peter, like, can I, can't I just build a tent right here? I don't want to leave. I don't want to go. And the mountaintops give us what we need so that we can keep going because you were never meant to live on a mountain. We were always meant to live in spaces and places that allow for us and teach us to trust in him and walk with him. And so we have to recognize that God wants to speak to you. God will speak to you. And, and anytime you sort of silence the phone and put away distractions and get alone with God, he wants to speak to you. And those moments then push us and, 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 and propel us into whatever season God has for us. But it, oftentimes it's in the mountains that God speak to us. And the reason is because there's no distraction, there's good company, we're focused. And on the mountain, God gives us what we need for when we go down. But listen, we can't live up there. We have to come down. My second thought is this. The first thought is God speaks to you on the mountain. The second thought is God ministers to you in the valley. All right, let's, let's continue the story, okay, because we, we ended, they're living on the mountain, but they got to come down the mountain. So let's see what happens as they come down the mountain. This is so interesting. And when they had come to the disciples, so they come down the mountain, the three of them and Jesus come down, and they saw a great crowd around the other disciples. And scribes were arguing with them. This were like religious leaders. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, Jesus, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And they asked him, what are you arguing about? Or he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? And someone in the crowd answered him and said, teacher, I brought my son to you for he has a, a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they weren't able to. And he answered them, O oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it is often cast him in fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, I love this, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, if, if you can, I love that. He says, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying, You mutant deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that many of them said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up. And he arose, and when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Okay, so, so follow the story, all right? Jesus takes these three guys up the mountain, and they have the most excellent experience you could possibly imagine. Right? There's Jesus with all of the God in him showing. All of a sudden, these two ancient prophets show up, alive, talking to them. The voice of God thunders from heaven. Peter's like, this is it. 
We made it. This is, this, is, this, is, this is walking with God. This is what it's about. And Jesus is like, nope. All right, let's go. And what meets them as soon as they get down the mountain? Difficulty, darkness, frustration, probably disappointment, arguing. All of this stuff is happening. And because oftentimes, listen to me, as you walk with God and you have those experiences where you feel like, man, I feel so close to God, it's so often combated or followed up with the difficult days. Like, let me tell you, especially those, let me speak to those that were at Go Salt or, or anybody that has felt like, man, I've been really sort of growing and encountering God. Watch out for difficult days right around the corner. Because what tends to happen is as you grow with God, as you excel in what God is doing in your life, it's so quick that people or circumstances or situations come knocking on the door to keep you from continuing to have faith in him. So here these guys are, like, oh my gosh, we just experienced God, this was crazy. And they get down and what happens? Hey, there is this sick kid and your disciples could do nothing about it. Jesus, can you even do anything about it? What, what a radical transformation. From here is God <laughs> to can you even cast this guy out? Can, can you heal this kid? Can, can you do anything? Man, sometimes that's what walking with God feels like. There you are, God. I feel you. Oh, my gosh, this is amazing. The next day, God, can you even do anything? Jesus, can you even hear me? Do you even care about me? Do you even love me? Do you even know what I'm walking through? And so often we go from those, those great moments of, God, I know you love me. I know you care for me. I know you've got a plan for me. To, to, it seems like our mind is so fickle and our feelings happen so quickly that it seems like in a minute, in a moment, right, I'm like that. I'm like having a good day. Like things are good. Like God is good. I hit like a bunch of red lights and I'm like, God's forgotten about me. My like, God hates me. I, I, <laughs> I, I literally, sometimes I feel like I go through that so often where it's just up and down through life. But what happens? What happens in the story? Jesus shows up and he does what only he can do. Ministers to the boy, he heals them. And then he speaks to the disciples and, and, and he encourages them. Now, I, I, let me speak just for a moment. About, I, I kind of wonder what the disciples were feeling like, the ones that were sort of not on the mountain. Ever felt like that? Maybe you didn't go to go saw and you're like, I didn't feel, I'm not on the mountain. These guys, picture, so okay, so Jesus is like, um, all 12 of them there, maybe he's got 12 disciples. All 12 of them there, he's like, um, Peter, yes. Um, James, <laughs> And um, John, <laughs> the rest of you guys, see you later. What? <laughs> All right. All right, guys, up here. They come down the mountain like, oh, my God. That was crazy. The rest of them, what have they been doing? They've been trying to heal this sick kid. <laughs> They're like, Jesus left us. <laughs> and please just be healed. Like, kid, what is wrong with you? Just get healed, man. I wonder, um, I wonder what sort of methods they used to try to heal Jesus. Because Jesus, up until this point, has used some weird methods to heal people. Like just in the chapter before, Sean taught about it, um, that there was a blind guy. And Jesus spit on the blind guy, and then he healed him. I wonder if the disciples were trying that. 
Like, this guy's sick. And they're like, Jesus spit on him yesterday. Let's spit on him. Let's see if that works. Like, Jesus rubbed mud on a guy's face. And he's like, well, let's try that. You know what I'm saying? Like, these disciples that were abandoned, Jesus took three guys up to the mountain. The rest of them have been in the valley alone, and they've been trying to heal this kid. And they're like, God, what is, God, where are you? Do you even care about us? You've left us alone to try to figure this stuff out, and we have no clue what we're doing. Man, how often have we felt like that? God, don't you even care about me? Those people are blessed. Those people experience you. Those ones are being used by you. Those ones have confidence in who you are. But here I am, and I'm still struggling. I still feel alone. I still feel abandoned. I feel like nobody cares about me. Where are you, Jesus? Jesus walks down the mountain. He turns to them. I just imagine them like maybe CPR on the kid, like just anything to get this work. And Jesus says, oh, you faithless generation. How long do I have to be with you? And then he turns to the dad and he says, he says, do you, do you believe? He says, yeah, I believe, but part of me doesn't believe. I believe. I, like, I believe, but I don't believe. I believe in God, but I don't believe in God. I trust in Jesus, but I don't trust in Jesus. I have hope, but I also have doubt. And that's this guy. And Jesus does a miracle, heals him. And then notice in both stories the point that Jesus makes. Worship team, you guys can uh, uh, come up here. I'm closing. But notice the, the, the conclusion from both the mountaintop experience and this experience. The disciples, they walk away with Jesus. They're walking away after this encounter, and, and they, they, I'm sure, sweating and, and heartbroken. Because context, let me give you a little context. Jesus had sent these disciples out already. He had sent them out already and had actually, God had used them for, to, to perform miracles. Like these disciples had actually healed people prior. These disciples had preached the gospel of repentance, and people had believed it through their message. So now, here they are again, and it's not working, right? Like, we just did it. What the heck? What happened? We were performing miracles, and, and now we're not. So they walk away probably discouraged, and, man, we were, let, we were abandoned. We didn't get picked to go up the mountain. We've been out here with this kid trying to heal, and we can't do it. And they, they, they turned to Jesus as they walked away, and they were like, what was that about? Why, why, couldn't, we, why couldn't we do anything? Why, how come... How come we weren't able to do it this time? And Jesus says, I'm going to read it because it's good. Jesus said, this, can, this kind or this, this effort that you're making, this thing that you're trying to experience, cannot be driven out by anything but prayer and fasting. Jesus draws their attention to seeking God and surrender to him. Seeking God, prayer, and fasting, surrender, where we give up something. We say, I'm, I'm removing this from my life, and I'm focusing on you. Now, that was the same, the same sort of idea in the previous story. And it's a sudden look around. They no longer saw anyone with him, but Jesus only. The point in, in both of these stories and the conclusion in both of these stories 
no matter what we walk through, and God wants to meet our needs, God wants to increase our faith, God wants to help us grow in difficult seasons, but in them all, it's about you and Jesus. It's about you and Jesus. He says it's but Jesus only, and he says this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting, seeking Jesus. The conclusion, the point, what Jesus is trying to teach them and us is that it's not about the experience, whether it's a mountain and Moses and Elijah are there, or it's the valley, but you're able to cast out demons or heal sick people or whatever it is. Jesus is like, it's, it's not about that. It's about seeking God. It's about relationship with God. It's about closeness and obedience and walking with him. And like Joey said in, in the student share, that God is not a feeling. God is not a moment. God is not a prize in the sense of, of I receive it and I have a prize and like moving on. God is not, God is not some object that then allows for us to get what we want. God is not a genie in a bottle that's going to answer your prayers. God's not a, God's not like any of that. God is our savior. He's our heavenly father. He's our friend. He's our creator. And he desires relationship with us. Just you, just you and Jesus. It's just you and Jesus. Life, no matter where you go, no matter what season you're in in your life, no matter what you've walked through, no matter where you're going, it's about you and Jesus. It's about you and him. When friends are gone, when feelings are gone, when, when easy access is gone, it's about you and Jesus. It's about closeness to him. It's about seeking him and being surrendered to him. And the promise of Jesus, the, 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 the blessing of Jesus, the goodness of Jesus, is that when we surrender to him and we say, okay, God, I'm taking up my cross and I'm following after you. He's with us. He's got a plan for us. He's got purpose for us. He's got peace for us. He's got promises for us. All of these are ours when we have relationship with God. But it's always just about him. So often we seek God for what he's going to give us. So often we seek God for what we think we might find because maybe behind with Jesus there's also the best life, happiest, easiest, friendliest life I could ever imagine. That's just not true. What we get, what the promise that we have is Jesus. It's him. It's but Jesus only. So as I close, I just want to ask you to think about where you're at in your life. Maybe you feel like you're on that mountaintop and you don't ever want to come down. It's just me and Jesus and Elijah and Moses and that really good worship song and all my friends. And I don't, I don't want to come down. Or maybe you feel like you're in the valley. And you're like, I was, I was alone and I had nobody. And I, I'm out here trying to, I'm just trying my best, my own effort to just get it better. And it's never enough. Wherever you find yourself at in that spectrum, just let, let me tell you, it's not about the circumstance or the feeling or the situation. It's about your relationship with him. It's about you and Jesus. So mountains gone, you and Jesus. Difficulty striving, earning, trying to get, forget all that. It's about you and Jesus. 
And we receive Jesus. We get that access. We have relationship with him simply by placing faith in him. By saying, God, I'm choosing you. I'm choosing to walk with you. I'm choosing to surrender all that I have to you and believing that, God, you are with me and for me. I want to pray for us. The worship team is going to close us out. Father, we thank you.